Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Alrighty, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to another GDT Tuesday. I am your host, Cody, and with me from Chicago is Mr. John Spainhauer, and we have got... Uh, I guess, you know, a, a pretty decent uh, result for the GDT that came out for number 296 today. John, wouldn't you say? Yeah, good afternoon, Cody. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, we must be doing something right because they moved us, at least me, they moved me into a studio here. You might still be sitting in your basement, but I'm here in the studio. I am for surely still in my basement doing the GDT Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see some things never change. Well, anyways, Cody, uh, it was another positive result on the GDT this week. We have now transitioned uh, the time into the winter uh, session, if you will. So GDT starts at a glorious 6 a.m. on every other Tuesday now. So we've been in our seats here since 6 a.m., awaiting with bated breath the results. What we got here was a a positive 1.9% higher on the overall index today, and that in itself is a good thing. It shows that there's still a lot of strength in the world market, that prices are still advancing on the international side. We'll discuss it here in a little bit, but what we're going to find out is that the U.S. market is still lagging significantly behind the rest of the world. As we dig into just the overall reaction to today's auction, there are going to be some people that are going to walk away from today with a slightly disappointed taste in their mouth. And you'll say, well, how is that? Skim milk powder was up 1.4. Whole milk powder was up 1.7. You know, butter was up 3.4. And you say, how can anybody be disappointed? And I think it just comes down to the expectations. What we do typically to to kind of gauge, because we don't trade every day, um, in order to gauge what's happened between now and the last two weeks, a lot of times a, a parlor trick is to use the GDT futures on the NZX as an indication. They were giving an indication that uh, whole milk powder could be at least as much as 7% higher today. So although it was 1.7% higher, that's a far cry away from 7% higher. Some people looked at that and said, eh, you know, buy the rumor, sell the fact. Maybe that's not quite as strong as I thought it was going to be. Skim milk powder came in. I think it was predicted to be about 3% higher, came in 1.4, so just slightly under expectations. However, that should not take away from what should be seen as a very healthy auction. You know, a lot of different different participation on this auction, and China in particular, you know, they've really been somebody that it's been a, a, a bit hard to gauge where China's buying pattern is going to be. If you remember several months ago now, the GDT reduced volumes on the offer because they said we've sold significantly more off the platform. That's always been suspected that those off-platform sales have gone to China. Therefore, they wouldn't need to buy or they would need to buy less on the actual platform. As a result, Chinese participation has been lower uh, over the last three or four months on a year-over-year basis, but has still been very healthy. Today, they were down 40% on their participation as compared to a year-over-year comparison. But again, that's coming up from last weeks, or excuse me, two weeks ago, where I think they were down 45%. And again, I think it's important to, to not look at that and say China's buying 40% less product from New Zealand right now. It's just a matter of which medium are they buying it through? Are they buying it 
from Fonterra directly or are they buying it on the GDT? And it's just hard to know what's going on there. We have to look at the import numbers um, to try to kind of try to parse through that. What we can see in the import numbers so far is that imports from into China are lower, just not significantly lower. So I think that's important to point out. What is important as well, though, is that other areas of the world have started to participate again. We saw that start to happen. Southeast Asia was up 10% on a year-over-year basis. The Middle East, North Africa, uh, this is a big one, up 175%. And, you know, it is coming off of a low base. That is important. But when you look at the trend that's starting to develop here, Middle East, North Africa is starting to buy a lot. And they've started to make up uh, quite a bit of the difference that China is not. So you take the combination of Southeast Asia and Middle East, North Africa, increasing their buying pattern and and that kind of offsets the fact that China has decreased theirs. The net result again is that we are up 1.9% and again so even with China down at least on this exchange what we have here is still another positive result and from the looks of it here we're at a uh, at an overall index price that we haven't been at on the GDT going back several years. And so I think you know a lot of the phone calls that I've fielded today, John, have been the question of, okay, now on the cheese side, why are we a dollar discount to the rest of the world? And I think one gentleman brought up, as John had said on the GDT podcast before, the port issues, there seems to be an issue. We are still exporting quite a bit of product. Uh, If that gets fixed, what could that potentially look like? Why in the world would we be that much of a discount to the rest of the world right now then on the cheese side? Well, Cody, I'm no stevedore so, um, or a stevedore expo- expert. I, I certainly, uh, like we've mentioned many times here, transportation is such a big part of the pricing equation this year in a way that I've never seen it. You know, it is just really scrambling some assumptions about prices and making making prices in one area much lower than they should be because you can't get transportation, i.e. the United States, and possibly making prices much higher than they should be in a different region because people will pay up just to get uh, because they can get a hold of that product and get it to where they need to be. I'm going to have to lay this one on transportation right now. And again, I don't understand the port situation, or I won't pretend to. You know, people, if people tell us they're having problems, then they're certainly having problems. Um, you can see there's definitely the, the possibility to export more probably, and that there are a lot of delays, and we've heard that. And then yet when we look at the data, exports are pretty darn good. Um, that doesn't, you know, the data is always delayed a little bit. So it's very possible the transportation issues have gotten worse in the last few months. And we have to take that into consideration. But I, I do think that transportation is an issue. I do think it will get resolved somehow here. Money talks, right? And when we start talking about one of the things that's slowing us down are empty cargo containers heading back to China you know, because it, yeah, you know, it's just uh, the Chinese exporter can pay more to get those cargo holds back home, at, rather than waiting to load them up. You know, money's going to talk here, and people, if they want to export, it's going to go. You know, we're, we're going to find a way to do it one way or another. The fact of the matter is, right now we do seem to be having some problems. I am optimistic that those will be fixed. 
and that we will see exports run out of the country. Um, as one person said to me this morning, if we, based on these prices that we're seeing in both Europe and the U.S., if we didn't have transportation issues, there wouldn't be one ounce of cheese left in this country. There is, is, is a problem with supply in Europe. I can't stress it enough. There will be people that'll say, yeah, but, and I'm accepting of that argument up until a point. What we can see is that the European community is having a production problem from a milk standpoint. We are still trying to diagnose what that issue is. With a certain degree of confidence, we can say it's an environmental based issue, i.e. environmental concerns and restrictions that are being put on the dairy uh, producer community. There are probably some other factors in there, but what we're starting to see is that this is not a seasonal issue or not shaping up to be one. It is starting up to be a structural issue, longer term in nature, and it has decreased the milk supply in some major production regions of Europe by 3%. If we just assume that demand is pretty good, and by all measures, we can say that demand is pretty good, when we slow the milk production down in the biggest milk shed in the world, or one of the biggest milk sheds in the world, if you will, then it really starts to have an effect. And it has driven European prices higher. If we were to do a rundown here real quick, European cheese right now is at 217. New Zealand cheese today went to 234. If we go to the European or European skim milk powder, they're at a dollar sixty-four, and New Zealand today went to a dollar sixty-seven. The U.S. is at one fifty-six. Here's the big one in here right now: European butter right now at two sixty-three, and that's actually after it came down a little bit due to a little bit of uh, currency depreciation as well as a flat price depreciation. New Zealand at two forty-four. Right, So if we look at our current prices here, you can see that the U.S. is discount around the world, or excuse me, is discount as we compare to the rest of the world, but the rest of the world is moving higher right now in general, uh, especially after today's auction. This isn't a market where one area of the world moved higher and the rest of the world stayed behind in prices. New Zealand has already moved. Europe has already moved higher. There are buyers that are coming here to the U.S. looking for product. What seems to be the bugbear or what seems to be holding us back is transportation. And again, I think once we get, once if we do and if we are able to get those transportation issues solved, what we're going to see is the U.S. market really move higher here across all of our products, specifically cheese. Something else I want to point out, and I I know I point it out every time, but it, it is that not only is the U.S. significantly cheaper in cheese compared to the spot price, but on a forward basis, our futures curve is discount as well. Carry that over into the skim nonfat world. Not only are we lower, but our curve is discount to our spot market. So we are cheaper than the rest of the world in skim. Then you get over to butter where we are most definitely the cheapest in the world and our curve is discount. So not only do we have the ability to export here on a, on a spot basis, but the curve is suggesting that when and if we can get these transportation issues figured out, which I think we are, but those we can get exports booked, we can get them booked on a long-term basis, and that can be very meaningful as to what we see from a pricing standpoint in 2022. I I definitely appreciate you kind of diving into that, uh, you know, full key there, John. There's a lot of things that you'd hit on that most folks don't really think about, especially uh, the milk shed in in the neighbor across the, the ocean there. 
One thing I do want to hit on real quick and kind of get your opinion on something that you had mentioned prior, the, the Middle East countries, you said they were up, would you say, 100% year over year on the GDT? According to our data here today, year over year on this auction, they were up 175%. Do you still think that equates to or has something to do with the price of crude? I know you said before the price of crude is something that those countries export heavily in. The more money they have coming into their pockets, the more they are willing to spend on uh, luxury items, I believe is what you've called them in the past. My dad's going to be proud. I've, I've quoted him twice in the last two prod, podcasts, and the answer is that higher oil price ain't hurting anything um, from their standpoint. That being said, I'm not going to really – I think there's a bigger factor at play here. Yes, Middle East, North African demand is strong and is probably growing as these um, petrodollars flow, right, at higher levels. However, I think most importantly, that is an area of the world that is extremely dependent on European milk production or a European dairy supply, if you will. And when, you know, it's very convenient for them to import from right across the Mediterranean, right? And so there's a lower transportation cost. When Europe doesn't have the product to offer, which we're seeing, or, or at least the prices exploded higher, what you're going to see is places like Middle East, Middle East, North Africa start to look elsewhere. When it comes, you know, we, they'll go to the GDT, they showed up here. We can also say with confidence, they're probably here on our shores, trying to get product out of the country. You know, there are certain areas that of that area of the world that are really, uh, they really like our product. We've exported there before. They're used to it. When the price is right, they'll take it and, and really roll with it. That is, of course, if they can get that product out of the country. And again, that we just keep coming back to that, you know, common denominator of transportation right now. I can assure you, though, that if that transportation was rolling, you know, we would definitely be seeing and probably are seeing already, but definitely be seeing more product shipped to places like Middle East, North Africa. Understood. Well, John, I guess, I mean, that's a pretty good rundown of the GDT that we've seen thus far and, and a little bit of a look into transportation. Uh, is there anything that you want to leave the viewers with as kind of like a Last little reminder for this episode, or have we kind of covered everything that we need to? You know, it's uh, it's one of those deals where I appreciate you asking that, Cody, because throughout this whole year uh, so far, there have been a lot of people that have made the comparison to 2013 and the and pricing and the, the transition into 2014. And I'm always hesitant to say, oh, yeah, it's just like that, or it's going to play out just like that, right? History does repeat itself, but it just never works out in the same pattern. What I can say is, is that the way this is playing out um, so far, it's kind of eerie. You know, a lot of those comparisons that we've been seeing, that we've been hearing about in 2013 to 2014, it's kind of eerie the way this is starting to shape up. You know, we saw, and during that time, we saw uh, class four prices move significantly higher, specifically non-fat during that time around the world. Finally, it caught the U.S., prices moved higher, and then the, the cheese market lagged behind, and it lagged behind, and it lagged behind, and we finally got to a point where U.S. product was moving, class four prices were significantly higher, it left class three behind, and as we made that transition into 2014, 
towards the you know the end of the year type activity all at once we saw the cheese market make a significant move higher to catch up to class four that is not to say that that's exactly how that's going to shape up here right now but again when i look out there in the u.s class four market is at 1950 i've got the eu class four market at 23 dollars. i've got the new zealand class four market at 2250 Right. Those are already significantly higher. Even the class four, like I pointed out here in the U.S. at 1950 is significantly higher than the class three market. So I guess the point I'm trying to make here is, is we still have room to catch up to the rest of the world on a class four basis. And when and if we do that, that puts a tremendous amount of support behind the idea of the class three market moving higher from 1950. I can definitely appreciate you breaking that down, John, because just about every conversation that I think we have had, uh, you know, personally as, and probably as a company has started with well in 2013, you know, so I definitely appreciate you looking back at that and saying, hey, uh, history can repeat itself, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to. You betcha. So awesome. Well, uh, with that, I think that's going to do it for John and I on another GDT podcast Tuesday. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please shoot us an email. We'll be happy to get back to you. But until next time, we'll see you guys later.